0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from fantasyfootballscout.co.uk. My name is David and today we're going to have a look at how my team got on in the horror show that was Game Week 11. I'm also going to have a look at what my plans are for Game Week 12 as I look to bounce back from a dreadful timeout in Game Week 11, which I know all of us experienced. I haven't seen many scores over about 40 points an absolute push. So first things first, if you had a bad one in Game Week 11, then try not to let that uh, temper your mood uh, as you prepare for Game Week 12. We all had a bad game week. It was kind of coming. We'd been seeing a lot of game weeks in FPL recently where it didn't really matter who you had you largely uh, could get by we've seen teams without Salah doing well we've seen teams without Harlan being able to keep up as well we've seen teams without Trippier being able to do good work as well myself and Mark uh, on General's orders have gone very different directions of our team so far this year and largely we've been in the same sort of overall rank bracket for most of the campaign so um, yeah we would due a bad game week for everybody and that's what happened it was a bad, it was a good game week to have a bad game week because everyone else was largely in the same boat And so hopefully that means as you look forward to game week 12, um, you can look forward to it with a little bit of hope that it will be better than last time out. And the other thing is that with everybody doing so bad at once, it means that, um, you know, really we can look at our teams and think, do you know what? It's not too bad. Um, And we shouldn't see a game week like that for many years to come. Again, I would like to hope. Fingers crossed. I've probably jinxed it uh, now. Uh, But yeah, we'll have a look at how my team's getting on and what my plans are for Game Week 12. I'm still mulling over when to play my wild card. It's still in my back pocket. I would like to use it as late as possible, but I might be forced into having to use it sooner than I'd like based on the current injury crisis. But I'm going to see what I can do uh, to get through with my free transfers alone. Now, before we get into the team itself, another reminder, of course, that it's never too late to sign up to Fantasy Football Scout membership. Uh, You can still save up to 20% on your... uh, um, on your package whichever one you'd like to go for and you're going to have access to all sorts of incredible stuff match day data opti power tools and tables uh, team transfer planners and drafts from the best fantasy managers in the world including last year's winner and a couple of other former champions as well uh, so yeah make yourself uh, um, you know uh, sure that you've got that ready for game week 12 it will help you bounce back from despair I would imagine. So, speaking of despair, my Game Week 11 team is now on the screen. So for the benefit of you podcast listeners, I will walk you through this 24-point masterpiece. So had Flecken in goal, got me zero points, Uh, but actually in the end didn't really matter that he got zero points in the sense that Turner also got zero. Uh, Flecken of course uh, conceded two goals in the first half and got substituted at the interval so that's zero points for him. Schimacast didn't start against Luton so just a one point for him. Five points for Anderson against Burnley because he did play the whole game kept a clean sheet but unfortunately was yellow carded. Uh, Cash got me nothing as well uh, with uh, what happened with him against Nottingham Forest. Madison got me one point and of course came off injured and just so that you know I actually screenshotted this before his flag went on in FPL so um, yeah uh, there's another flag for him. Uh, uh, Diaby, uh got two points. Batumi got me six. Saka got me two. Alvarez got me two. Harland of course got me one. Now, unfortunately, uh, I feel like game week 11 was a little bit of a missed opportunity because I didn't go with captain Harland. And on Saturday evening, I was feeling quite smug. I will have to confess to that it was a low moment I don't like to be smug in FPL and don't worry I didn't gloat on social media or anything and it's a good job I didn't because if I had I would have been made to look a right mug because of course Salah then also blanked against Luton I mean the fact that Haaland blanked against Bournemouth and Salah blanked against Luton in the same game week is just incredible the the chances of that happening were just wow infinitesimal in my opinion um, so yeah a bit of a missed opportunity because I felt like I would be rewarded and sort of I was because uh, Haaland got one point so I got two so I didn't get a couple of extra points out of it. But yeah, I do feel like that was a bit of a missed opportunity. But hey, you know, these things happen in FPL uh, and we just move on uh, to the next few games. I obviously, of course, rolled my transfer in game week 11 because I didn't really have too many issues with my team. I was quite happy with the way it was looking. And as I keep saying, I'm looking to try and wildcard as late as I can. At the moment, my sights are set on game week 19, uh, which is after that blank game week because then it would allow me to uh, heavily invest in Man Man City and Brentford, I should say, sorry who actually have quite good fixtures before that blank. I could invest in them, sell them for 18, um, so I can maximize game week 18 without having to use a free hit. And then, of course, with Brentford and City also having good fixtures after game week 18, I can wildcard them back in rather than necessarily having to uh, yeah, spend a free hit on getting through game week 18. So that's my current plan. Game week 16 fixtures also look very nice, which we'll have a look at um, uh, a little bit later on uh, in the video. They look really good as well and that's also a possible wildcard opportunity because there's a good uh, set of there's a good set of swings for lots of teams from good to bad and bad to good etc which could warrant a wildcard uh, then however of course if you wildcard in game week 16 you obviously would probably want to go heavy on man city and brentford based on their fixtures being really good across that run but then you are leaving yourself having to solve the game week 18 problem um, you know without the use of a wildcard to come after so my plan has been can i build a game week 16 wildcard-esque squad between now and then by only using free transfers so of course i wanted to bank a free transfer at the earliest possible opportunity and i did it in game week 11 and i'm kind of hoping and i was hoping that i could do it for game week 12 to only spend one of them uh, for the next few weeks and really only uh, get to a point where i have to spend them both in a few weeks down the line as we head into game week 16 whether or not i'm going to be able to do that for now is going to be tricky because after one game week i all of a sudden have an absolute plethora of flags now as i said uh, the team on the screen right now i screenshotted this earlier on in the week ready for the general's orders podcast so it means that the flags are not quite as updated as they should be but i mean most of you will know where they stand now so flecken still yellow flagged uh, came off with this knock and ha- did have an illness a couple of weeks ago as well cash of course came off as well so he's yellow flagged i've also got a flag on madison but we don't really know the extent of that uh, van der ven is the one that i think is the one i'm most gutted about because he was a big differential for me and uh, yeah he's currently got a um a very dark orange flag he's 25 he's 25 percent uh likely to play the next game week and that's based on poster not ruling him out for game week 12 but basically saying i expect him to be out for some time and we'll know more in a few days so i'm kind of anticipating uh van de ven's 25 percent dark orange flag to become a 0 percent red flag by the time the game week 12 deadline comes around and of course you will have noticed uh the big big red flag that sat on my bench for three or four or five game weeks now, of course, Purvis is uh, as well. So that in total is five flags, <laughs> which is, uh, yeah, a, a little bit of a tricky situation, but I'm hoping not to wildcard for this game week. I don't think I need to necessarily break my team or completely get myself a new one to get through this injury crisis. And, The reason that I feel confident doing that is from some of the lessons that I've managed to learn throughout the course of the campaign so far. F. Stupinan still being on the bench is testament to the fact that I have actually been able to get through one massive injury crisis before. I think it was around game week seven or eight. I think it was. We all remember, of course, when we just had an absolute ton of red flags, orange flags, yellow flags, just all the colors. And I was, I was as affected by that as many other people. But rather than make a string of transfers, I felt that if I could just get my starting 11 okay, I was happy to carry a couple of injured players on the bench, maybe sell them at a later point, give them an opportunity to come back. Um, so I'm going to try and do the same thing uh, in game week twelve, if at all possible, because I do think building towards um, something that's not dissimilar to what a wild card squad would look like in game week sixteen by using my free transfers between now and then, and wild card in game week nineteen, I think can be really impactful. And I've always wanted to wild card that late, so to be honest, I just want the opportunity to try and experiment with that. And bearing in mind that my overall rank is currently one hundred and twelve thousand three hundred sixty-one, um, I feel like I'm in a place where I can. Try a few different things uh, compared to what I would normally do uh, because a lot of the points are sort of already in the bank, uh, so to speak. So that's kind of what I hope to do with this team. Now, uh, of course, I'm recording this on Wednesday and you might be watching this on Thursday, Friday. So there may, of course, be some things that have changed by the time you watch this. And so the flag situation does mean that I am in a position where I'm not going to be able to you know, say with certainty what my transfer plans will be for Game Week 12. So do keep an eye on any of the content that we've got out there, or perhaps social media as well, if you want to know what my final decisions were, if you find that helpful. Um, for now, I can only really talk to you about um, a sort of theoretical flowchart of ideas based on what may or may not happen with these flags between now and Friday, and Saturday, Friday being when we get all the team news, Saturday of course being the deadline. And I would of course encourage everybody else out there to sort of come up with a flow chart of their own, either in your head or maybe write it down on paper. And know there's some good tools out for that there. And also of course planfpl.com is a good way of building some potential ideas for what your transfers might be. So Think about that. Let the midweek football um, play out because, of course, we may end up with more flags um, from that and then make your decisions rather than making your transfers now. Um, And so, yeah, this is what my team currently looks like for game week 12. I'll read it out again for the benefit of the podcast listeners. Um, Flecken still in goal. But I'm probably going to sell him this week. So um, he's starting to sort of remind me that my new transfer is probably going to be starting in goal. Uh, Van de Ven uh, was uh, in the starting lineup. And so that's where he is there. But of course, uh, I've actually now swapped him for Shimakas. So it's Shimakas, Anderson and Cash are my three starting defenders for now. Uh, Madison, D.R.B. Matoma, Salas unchanged midfield with the captain's armband on Saka as he plays Burnley at home and then Haaland and Alvarez up front now I'll start with the forwards because I think that's a relatively easy place to start uh, of course uh, just apologies again this graphic is now out of date by the Tuesday night Champions League exploits of Manchester City Haaland is already back in action he was training ahead of the young boys game played in it scored twice came after came off after an hour so I'm no longer worried about him so that's one less flag that I need to deal with and so Haaland and Alvarez up front away at Chelsea it's not an amazing fixture and Man City do have some challenging fixtures in the next few weeks but I know that come game week 16 when their fixtures are really really nice I am going to want to still have probably two Manchester City attackers and bearing in mind that I've got some other areas of my team that need more work and Man City still seem capable of scoring goals against whoever they face I think it makes sense for me to just hold them for now so let's move back to the goalkeeper position then which is where my most likely transfer will be this week of course it is dependent on the severity of some of the defender flags which we'll talk about in just a moment So, I have l- been looking at what is the best goalkeeper combination to have from game week 16 onwards, and I kind of feel like um, Ariola and Sanchez make a really good combination um, based on their prices and their ability to either get saves, clean sheets, or both. Uh, Chelsea's defense has actually been very good this season. I've been saying this on pretty much every video, and I'm anticipating being invested in their defense in game week 16 when their fixtures go from being horrible to amazing. Uh, and so they're the two goalkeepers on my mind. Ariola, I'm less fussed by because, of course, he's not. Keeping clean sheets with uh, the same level of regularity as I would like. His fixtures are good, and his price are good, his price is good as well. So I had been looking at those two, and if it wasn't for these flags, I would be doing Flecken to Ariola this week because then, of course, I get to have a much nicer fixture for West Ham, um, with their fixtures at the moment being nicer than Chelsea's uh, at home against Nottingham Forest, and then and then bank the other transfer. Then the following week, I would probably sell Turner to get Sanchez, Um, even though it's a a difficult fixture in game week 13 for them. It just means I have my goalkeeper rotation ready for game week 16, already nailed down uh, in a week where, in game week 13, I'm actually quite happy with how my team looks for that, provided everyone I currently own is fit. (laughs) So that's why I talk about them being potential ideas, I may have to do something different though. And so um, I'm also thinking about Sam Johnston as well uh, because he looks like a fantastic set-and-forget goalkeeper based on the way that Crystal Palace have been playing. Three of their next four fixtures look really good for defensive potential. Everton at home next, Luton away after that. West Ham away in game week 14, slightly harder, but we have seen West Ham sometimes misfire this campaign and then Bournemouth at home in 15 is also another good one. So it's a tricky decision there because Sam Johnston is easily the best goalkeeper, in my opinion, for the next four. However, Crystal Palace's fixtures do get harder around game week 16. And on my game week 16 wildcard-esque squad, that's not a wildcard, (laughs) you know, in in a real sense, but is in effect, sort of. In that squad, I've been looking to offload my Crystal Palace players and I need to find some way of covering them by then. Perhaps, maybe when I get to 16, that's when I get Sanchez in place of Johnston. So I need to make a decision now over whether or not I just try and maximize the next four with Johnston and then maybe make some goalkeeper moves later on. Or do I start building towards the best goalkeeper combination now for later on if my team can survive that and that's why i said the goalkeeper transfer decision is going to depend on what injury updates we get on some of these other guys so let's move to defense now as i said shimikas almost certainly for now coming in for van de ven to have shimikas anderson and cash as my defensive three um I'll talk about Shimikas first. Uh, I've mentioned this a couple of times this week, especially on the General's Orders uh, podcast. So go watch that um, if you haven't seen this week's episode. I'm not too worried about Shimikas' involvement in the Liverpool team this week because, of course, he did miss that game. Uh, Sorry, he missed starting the game against Luton. And we sort of wonder if maybe that was perhaps uh, influenced by uh, the the opposition. Luton, very good at set pieces, for example. So having an additional centre-back player on the pitch and Joe Gomez might be useful in those situations. And he can play can play left back although funnily enough the last time he started at left back was actually way back in 2015 so if you're beating yourself up about the fact that Shimmercast didn't start i don't think you should because who on earth saw that coming i mean i don't think any of us really would have expected someone who not played at left back for eight years to come in and do it for a very favorable fixture for liverpool a home game against brentford you would like to expect that that is a game where they're going to need a bit more insightfulness down the left hand side from their fullback so I'd be very shocked if he doesn't come back in to start for this one. And I do think the fact that Liverpool didn't look particularly good um, going forward against Luton, uh, not, they weren't quite at their best, I think um, would indicate that Schimekas kind of needs to come back in. So hopefully Jurgen Klopp sees it the same way as many of us uh, did in terms of that game. So Shimakas, I think is going to start. But do I really want to start him for this one? I'm not entirely sure because I don't, I don't really think that Liverpool are going to keep a clean sheet here because in Burma especially is in good form. Brentford know how to go and frustrate big teams. With the way they line up, with their five-three-two, for example. So I'm not enamoured about starting him, but I may have to, um, depending on what else comes up. So what else am I waiting on then? So. Uh, the most important one that I think will make a lot of my decisions for me is probably going to be what happens with Cash. Now, if Cash is fit, then I easily start him against Fulham because I think it's a great fixture. Villa, always much better at Villa Park. Fulham don't particularly score many goals. So I think that's a, there's a high ceiling opportunity for Cash in that one. Um, with Van der Ven, I expect him to be out long term. Uh, and uh, yeah, I will sell him probably if Cash is ruled out of this one, and you know maybe sort of given a week or two off, because I would want to hold Cash for a bit longer. Whereas Van der Ven, I think, needs to go at the earliest opportunity. However, the other person I'm waiting on is a Stupinian. We know that he is back in training. We uh, haven't. We, the reason he's still red flagged is because he was ruled out of game week eleven but we're told his return is not far off. Now we do have a European fixture for Brighton this week, so hopefully we get a bit more information in the build-up to that one from De Zerbe, or possibly even in the game itself. We might see a Stupinan named on the bench and come on and get some substitute minutes. If that happens, then I think I will start him, because having him start at home against Sheffield United, who have been awful defensively this season, I think high ceiling from him there as well. And if he's fit, then I think I don't, I think I might genuinely not make a defensive transfer uh, in a world where Stupinan is 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 fit, cash is ruled out, and Van de Ven, I, I'm not really going to talk much more about him because I'm fairly confident he's going to be out for some time. Uh, but I don't mind not selling him now. I won't lose much value on him because he's not very wi- widely owned, so I'm probably not going to lose much value. So if I can start a Stupinan, Shimekas and Anderson, allowing me to resolve my goalkeeper situation with one of my transfers this week, and then and then banking the other i think that gets me through the game week enough and then that would involve benching cash and van der ven and then just seeing what happens beyond that i think starting stupidan Chimikas and anderson it's not awful i'd be happy i would be happy to do that um, so that's what i'm waiting on really i need i need updates on cash and i need updates on stupidan and we'll see what we get uh, from their managers about that um, midfield obviously is also a bit of a concern because Madison uh, has this injury. We don't really know much about it um, at all, to be honest. We haven't got any kind of early assessment because it didn't look as bad as the van de Ven one did. So it means that Postacoglu's assessment of it after the Chelsea game was very non-committal, as we normally see at the end of a game when a player has had to come off. Now, if he, I, I still want to keep him for as long as possible. I think he's a great season keeping option. Uh, So it would have to be him ruled out for several weeks, maybe even months for me to consider selling him. Because if he is a bit of a doubt for this week, I'm not all that upset about having to maybe start Archer against Brighton. Because we know that Brighton don't keep too many clean sheets, uh, to be honest. Um, Just going back to his stupid hand, obviously I would want to put him in for his attacking potential. We know they don't keep many clean sheets, so I'm not expecting much defensive returns from him so i don't feel like i'm being too hedging my bets by putting archer in as well because he obviously just scored in the last game and he's and he's popped up with the odd goal in a couple of favorable fixtures so far this season so if that's what it takes again to bank a transfer i'm happy to do it um Which might, again, sound counterintuitive, but the thing is, the way that my team managed to get through the last injury crisis and the transfers opened up for me to really maximise the starting 11, rather than necessarily worry about the bench, um, having loads of injured players on it, I think I can still do that for now. It's really the Christmas period when I would want to start strengthening that bench. If my team looked like this in the middle of December, I would be making more transfers, you can be sure of that, but at the moment I'm just going to try and get through. So the Madison one I'm not too worried about, if I had to sell him you know because he's out long term I'd probably look at Palmer or Bowen uh, because they're two players who were uh, would be in my game week 16 wildcard if I wildcarded then or um, Palmer is almost certainly going to be in my game week 19 wildcard if I can hold it off for as long as then so they're the people that I would get for Madison if I needed to but whether or not I'd have to sell him for this week again questionable because I think that I'd be happy starting Diaby Matoma, Salah, Harland Alvarez and Archer as a front midfield form and forward three uh, if that's what it came to uh, to be honest so, that is the situation in terms of my transfers. appreciate this is a bit long and convoluted, but I'm anticipating everybody else's transfer plans to be in a similar state for this game week. The only other thing to talk about, of course, is the captaincy. Now, as much as I'm happy to have two um, two attackers for Man City against Chelsea, I do prefer Arsenal's fixtures Um, in this particular game, we compared to Man City, of course. um, Chelsea, whilst it's a game I think City can score in, I'm more confident that Arsenal will thrash Burnley than I am that Man City will thrash Chelsea. And the same is true of Salah against Brentford as well. Whilst Brentford's defence hasn't been amazing this season and I expect Salah to get something, it doesn't feel like the plum fixture that Burnley at home offers. Now, a quick word on Burnley, then we'll talk about Saka. So with Burnley, I do just think that there is no longer this concern around Burnley being able to go to teams uh, away from home, stick everyone behind the ball, play a low block, frustrate the opponent and then sort of take strength from the fact that they're stopping the, the team sense the frustration in the crowd and use that to kind of keep themselves going throughout the game, being hard to break down that's what we saw, uh, they were like under Sean Dyche, but that's not really there anymore because with Vincent Kompany, he just goes for a completely different play style, uh, he's had his, his most success of course as the Clarence manager by basically bossing the championship with a very Pep Guardiola-esque style of possession-based football and inverted fullbacks. Unfortunately, and of course this is no disrespect to the players there, I do just think that the players that he has currently available don't have sufficient Premier League experience to be able to week on week play that type of football against the best teams in the country. Uh, It's it's definitely not going to work against an Arsenal team that is is very good uh, in terms of its technical ability. And we haven't seen Burnley, in my opinion, learn to adapt to these big games yet. Uh, or games against bigger opponents under company um the fact that they are trying to play the same style of football regardless of opponent i think is is kind of damaging them i'd be very surprised if uh, later on in the campaign we haven't seen either company have to really sort of you know um bite the bullet and change his style in some way or possibly they might even get a new manager who's more suited to getting that group of players to be able to grind out results against big teams rather than try and play them off the park because it's not going to work um that's that that's a that's a that's a team that I like captaining a player against, to be honest. And of course, having Saka against him it, it, against that team is, is is good. However, I am a bit concerned about the fact that Sackers had one shot in the box in the last three. Now there have been some tricky fixtures within that because they of course have played uh, Newcastle uh, and uh, Chelsea in that run. So I'm kind of hoping that the opposition is just going to trigger um, a return to form for him, which is not a great place to be in for the captaincy. Uh, but I just think that Brentford at Anfield is actually going to be quite a challenge for Liverpool, especially based on the way they played against Luton. And yeah, captaining someone away at Chelsea right now, bit concerned about that as well. Um, we'll see how I feel later on in the week. But um, I brought Saka back in in game week 10 in place of Son with the view to captain him for this fixture because it looked like the best fixture. It's still seems that way so I'm happy just to carry on with the plan and it might be a bit of a differential as well because some people still haven't got Saka back in so captaining someone that people don't have he's on penalties uh, most of the time when he's on the pitch Erdegaard being injured whilst it does perhaps hinder Arsenal's attack does remove one person from the penalty pecking order for Saka to have to contend with so um, I don't think it's you know too uh, much of a stretch to kind of think maybe we get an assist and possibly a penalty in this game and if I can just get that from Saka when some people don't own him, and I've also still got Salah and Harlan who will probably still be in the Capsule Conversation this week. I think that's going to put me in a good place. So yeah, that's the state of my team um, right now. Uh, hopefully some of that information has helped you guys. If you've got similar problems, let me know in the comments if uh, that's the sort of situation that you are looking at at the moment. Now, I promised a little bit of a look at the upcoming fixtures as well. So I'll just run through some of my favorite stats and tables from the members area that have helped fuel some of these decisions uh, before we go. And of course... Uh, if you look below me you can see of course we've still got 20% off on the memberships and uh, yeah go and sort yourself out with one for game week 12 if you haven't done so already so the season ticker at the moment currently top of that season ticker between game weeks 12 and 17 the next six is West Ham they got Forest at home Burnley away Crystal Palace at home Fulham away and Wolves at home so one of the reasons why I'm thinking about Areola um, for those games but also Bowen as a possible replacement for um, Madison of course Kudus also been doing very well as well he could be a good option I think I prefer Bowen at the moment, but Kudus may prove, prove me wrong on that one. Um, we've also got Arsenal um, in the um, the top six of the season tickers. Well, they've got Burnley at home next, Brentford away after that, Wolves at home, then Luton away, Aston Villa away, Brentford, uh, Brighton at home, I should say. And of course, just one last word on Arsenal actually, is that if I do have to make a defensive transfer, then it's probably going to be an Arsenal defender that I bring in if I need a new defender. Uh, it would probably be Gabriel, Uh, because he's priced in such a way that I could rotate him and bench him for the Brentford game in game week 13, the Villa game in game week 16 and the, Brighton game in game week 17 and start him for the other three because I do like those fixtures so if I have to make a defender transfer it's this table here um, this season ticker I should say that is uh, fueling me wanting to go for uh, him in particular and then the teams that have bad fixtures over the next six you've got Luton, Chelsea, Villa and Spurs and Brentford in the bottom five and so yeah that's one of the reasons why I'm sort of um, thinking about I could sell cash if I need to Um, It could be cash to Gabrielle that is the move that needs to happen, perhaps. Um, So we will see. As I said, all of that is dependent on those injury updates. Um, And then... In terms of the teams that are defending well right now, there's five teams, six teams, I should say, sorry, that are uh, in the best form in the last four matches for fewest big chances conceded. Newcastle, Brighton, Everton, Arsenal, Aston Villa and Man City. So just further confirmation there that um, a Arsenal defender could be a good replacement for your injured defenders if you don't already have one. And then the teams to target um, who've got um, bad defensive numbers over the last four, Luton, still bottom of the league for XGC over the last four. Bournemouth uh, as well. Uh, So Newcastle players, I think, are going to do very well this week. I mean, Anthony Gordon could even be a possible captaincy shout in this particular game. Burnley, there they are. Third worst in the Premier League over the last um, four. Sheffield United, of course, still in the bottom four, but Man United and Nottingham Forest have also dropped down into the bottom six. The most creative players so far uh, over the last four matches, we've got Reese James now top of the list for four big chances created in the last four matches. Mentioned Chelsea's fixtures are going to get really nice from game week 16. Reese James is someone I am considering for investment at that time is because by then we'll know how fit he is how often he's playing. Uh, And yeah, in the short space of time that he's had in his last four matches, he is, yeah, one of the most creative players still. Um, So Bozlai also looking very good. He is level with Diaby and Trippier for three big chances created in the last four. But he's also level with Palmer. Bernardo Silva and Aya over at Brentford. The most persistent shooters over the last four matches, well, it's Salah and Nunez currently top of the list with 12 apiece in the box. We've got Watkins and Solanke uh, joint second with 11 apiece. Isak Umbermo, Jackson, Diogo Jota and Richarlison all have nine each in the last four matches. Now, game week 14, one of my moves is probably going to be to get Umbermo back. Um, his numbers are dipped, that's why I sold him, and they've gone back up again since I've sold him, but the fixtures kind of make it difficult to get back on him straight away. Of course, yeah, Chelsea and Liverpool um, as two of the, the three fixtures um, of late. Liverpool coming up next, he's already played Chelsea. Game week 14, they got Luton. So I think that, bearing in mind his numbers are looking good, I think that'll be one of getting back. And he's also doing quite well for accuracy as well. So in the last four matches, it is Mateus Cunha at Wolves and Nunez as the top for shots on target in the last four. Isak and Bermo are joint second for seven shots on target each. we got Watkins, Jackson, Son, Haaland and Fernandes. All joint third on six apiece. So, yeah, and Burmo definitely sticks out from that list. I think getting him back in for game week 14 is very important for me to make sure I can do. And so rolling some transfers at the moment as best as possibly can gives me uh, the opportunity to do that in a couple of weeks' time. So, yeah. As I said, that's the state of my team. Hopefully it's helpful for you guys. Let me know what your plans are for Game Week 12 and get your membership sorted as well. If I haven't... Have I mentioned that already? I'm not sure I have. So, yeah. Make sure you go and sort that out ahead of Game Week 12. But with that, I shall leave you fine folks to enjoy the rest of your prep for the next FPL deadline. And I shall see you next time. Bye.